Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. We got a guest speaker today, and I'm excited to introduce him. His name is Elton Da Silva, and his wife Anna is here with him. Why don't we welcome them? It's awesome. And uh, so, Elton, you know, some of you, some we don't always like every week talk about like the association of churches we're part with across Canada. It's not something that like needs to be talked about every week, but we're grateful to be part of a, an awesome group of churches across Canada. Uh, the Canadian Mennonite Brethren Churches of Canada. I like that long name. And uh, we are grateful. And Elton is, is the uh, executive director for our churches nationally. Uh, we, we're, we contribute and participate in our provincial association of churches. And then we connect nationally as well. And Elton's been in town this weekend. And I asked him, hey, would you come and share? I thought it'd be awesome for us to hear from him. And, uh, and I get a chance to sit and listen and absorb uh, as all of us do as well. I love to learn in that way. And Elton came with his wife, Anna. I think it, your kids are in the city uh, and they have family in Laval that they're heading out to go see after, which is amazing. Um, uh, listening to Elton uh, talk yesterday, we were in a session with a few people and uh, I could sense his heart for um, how God's working across the globe. I really appreciate that. And uh, I know he has Brazilian roots. We have some Brazilian roots here in the room. Woohoo! Yes. Uh, what's that? I, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to butcher a, a, a Portuguese word. I'm sorry. I'll just stop right here. Right, Ricardo? Because then he's going to correct me and all that kind of stuff. Elton, why don't you come up? We're so grateful to have you with us and to, to be with us today. God bless you. Well, good morning. Such a privilege to be able to be with you this morning. And um, I hope not to fall asleep. I just um, came back from 10 days in another part of the world, in Africa. So I was there, and they were about eight hours difference from, from us. So I'm still adjusting back to our time here. But uh, it is, uh, I was here visiting this church when you were building it, when you were starting to put the, the walls up, and, and, and I, I'm just so amazed at the great work you have done together, and the gathering of people, God's people, that gather here to worship on a Sunday morning. So thank you, David, for the invitation. I'm glad to be here with you. I typically introduce myself as I am proof that God has a sense of humor. That's my introduction. And here's why. I was born in a city called Belém, in the north of Brazil, the city that is right under the equatorial line, and it is hot all the time. So it is typically 30 degrees and above most days, you will hit the 40 degrees at a certain time of the day, and humidity on top of that. So you take a few steps and you're completely covered in sweat. That's where I was born. The best days of my life is when the rain would come down and we have rain pretty much every day around a certain time of the day, the rain would come down really hard and we as kids in Brazil would take off our shirts and our shoes and just in, in, in shorts, we'll go outside and play soccer in the mud. That was a great time for us. 
So this is how this Brazilian boy grew up. One day, God in his immense wisdom takes me from one of the hottest cities in the world and then moves me to Winnipeg. <laughs> so you can see that God has a sense of humor. I imagine that uh, when he hits minus 40 in Winnipeg, God is up there going, look at him, look, he's freezing. <laughs> but he knows what he does. He knows how he does it. And he does it in a way that is invitational. He does it in a way that allows us to be ourselves. And he engages us in his mission. This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit as Jesus' church. His invitation for us to join him in his mission. And I know sometimes when we use the word mission or there's a mission Sunday or someone or a missionary is going to come and speak, immediately we become a little bit uncomfortable and we put all kinds of barriers and reservations because we don't want to feel guilty about us not really being on mission. But this message I want to bring to you today should bring you freedom. Because in this message of Jesus inviting us to join him in his mission, his mission strategy brings us a freedom for us to be who we are and still being productive in a mission that God has given each one of us and us collective as a church. In John chapter 4, there is an interesting story. I'm not going to read it right through. We're going to walk through a little bit. Sorry, sorry, when you have glasses sometimes, it just bangs around better. I think so. Um, in this story, Jesus goes to a place in Samaria, to a village in Samaria, and he encounters a woman who is coming to get water at a well way in the middle of the day when it's the hardest time of the day she is there. Now, it's interesting because people don't usually do that. They didn't do that. You know, I think I would just take it. Uh, there'll be. So people don't usually came to the water, to the well, to get water at the hottest part of the day because it is the Middle East and the sun is high and it's hot and it's, it, it's dry and, and it, it's really uncomfortable for you to gather water, uh, you know, uh, at noonday and at 3 o'clock on those high times of heat. So people would gather the water really early just before the sun would come in. And the well in any village was... The water cooler moment. Women would gather at the well early in the morning and they would then talk about their lives. They would then talk to each other about, well, my husband has done this, or oh, I have this child, or um, here's how many cattle we have purchased in the last little bit, and here's how much we have grown in our business. This woman alone at a very 
high, uh, at a time when the sun is high in the sky, comes and gets water, and Jesus is there. And Jesus talks to her. And this whole story of this encounter of Jesus with this Samaritan woman, it's an incredible encounter because Jesus, in this conversation, he is faced with four different stigmas that he has to actually bypass. The first stigma that Jesus encounters as he meets with this woman is a, uh, it is a racial stigma. He is a Jewish person. She's a Samaritan woman. He is a Jewish man. She's a Samaritan woman. And if you know a little bit of biblical history, you will understand that the Jewish people did not like the Samaritans. The Samaritans were part of a, a, a tribe, or two tribes of Israel that intermingle and marry with Assyrians. And they begin to take on their, their customs and their worship and their way to worship and the Jewish people at the time of Jesus really disliked the Samaritans so much so that they would call them, the nickname for the Samaritans in the Jewish language were mutts, dogs without a race. Half-breeds. That's how the Jewish people would uh, uh, talk about the Samaritans. There was a segment, a religious segment in the Jewish society that so much hated the Samaritans that even if their shadows were to cross the shadows of a, a shadow of a Samaritan, they would consider themselves to be impure and they will have to go through the ritual of purification once again. And that's a long process. They did not like Samaritans. So the first stigma that Jesus encounters as he encounters this Samaritan woman is a racial stigma. The, the Jews did not like had a, 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 a lower view of the Samaritans. But Jesus is there and he talks to her. The first strategy of Jesus in his invitation to our mission is that Jesus needs us to be present. Jesus was present where he was not expected to be. His first strategy, his first invitation for us is to be present. Sometimes as Christians, sometimes as church, we lock ourselves in our churches, in our buildings, in our rooms. But the invitation from Jesus is that wherever we are, we got to be present with people. We just had a time when we greeted one another, how nice it was to hear each other's voice and saying hi and smiling and, and engaging with one another. We live in a time and in a world where there is an incredible amount of loneliness taking place. Loneliness. We stop talking to each other face to face and engaging with each other face to face. We do it on our phones now with our fingers. But there is something about presence that changes the whole environment of things. There is something about being present with someone, looking each other in the eyes, having a cup of coffee, a conversation that completely changes everything. We live in a lonely world. So the first invitation from Jesus, the first strategy from Jesus is for us to be 
present. Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth. But what good it is for salt to be just inside of a salt shaker. Never gets used, gets spoiled. So where is Jesus inviting you to be present? Who is Jesus inviting you to be present with? What are those conversations, those visits, that time? I just came back, as I said, 10 days, two countries in Africa. The last seven, the last seven days in a Mozambique in one of the poorest places I have ever known. Visit the work of a missionary couple, a missionary family that has been there for 34 years. 34 years. They have gone through in, into the bush, driving, walking in places where Nobody else wanted so they could sit in a hut made out of mud and covered with leaves with someone and just break bread and eat with them. This missionary had malaria, malaria three times, was poisoned twice. Today, as you see the many churches that have erupted out of this mission field, you realize that unless there was presence, there would not be mission. The Bible says that Jesus was present at the well. He was there. He had to be there. He encounters the Samaritan woman. And he engages with her. Even though she's from a different race, even though she is from a different cultural background, even though she doesn't expect it, he is present. The second stigma that Jesus faces in his mission is that it's a gender stigma. She was a woman. He was a man. And in the time of Jesus, women had no value. It's sad to see, but if you see the Bible, when the Bible says there was 5,000 men, there was 5,000 women and children were not counted because they were never counted as people. They were counted as properties. Sad to hear that, but it's true. In the times, the biblical times, the woman, a woman was born as a property of her dad, and then it became a prop, property of her, of her husband. And the sole purpose of a woman was to give birth to heirs. So women, men would not talk to women. Women would not dare address men. But Jesus turns to her and he says something very important. He says to her, would you give me water? She's shocked. She says, are you, are you talking to me? You are a Jewish man. I am a Samaritan woman. Are you talking to me, Jesus? What Jesus is doing is that he is valuing her. 
He is valuing her contribution. He is valuing that she can do something for him. He gives her value in that moment, in that one phrase. The second strategy of Jesus' mission is that Jesus invites us to value people. Sometimes as Christians, we do the opposite. We are better than. We know better. But the invitation of Jesus' mission is that we, as we engage, we value people because God valued people. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There is no greater value placed on people than Jesus giving his own life for the sake of people. So Jesus values her. Shocked. So presence, value. Then they talk to one another a little bit, and then Jesus says this thing. Jesus says, Go call your husband. Probably a little awkward. Jesus alone with a woman, right? And he says, Just go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. Now, if I was Jesus, being sensitive, I would say, Oh, Okay, I'm sorry. Didn't know. But Jesus actually goes beyond and he says this. You said, well, because you had five husbands. Now the one you have is not yours. When I read that, I go, oh, Jesus. You tell me you didn't say that, please. That's not cool, dude. Come on. You can't uh, go there. But Jesus says this to her, you had five husbands and the one you have now, it's not yours. It took me some time to understand this. But when I was caught in this text, I began to study a little bit of Jewish law in the time of Jesus and some Jewish writing and the Jewish uh, um, uh, some Jewish uh, historians. And I began to see, what is this, why is this important? Because sometimes we read this text and we immediately go to the, she was not a good woman. She was a terrible woman. She had five husbands and now she's shacking up with someone. So she was terrible and Jesus is pointing that out and that's her sin that he's appointed out. That's not it at all. Now you have to realize that in the time of Jesus, woman could, a woman could not divorce her husband. It was the husband who divorced their wives. They are the ones that were capable of getting a letter of divorce. The number one reason why a woman would be divorced by her husband is that she could not give him offsprings. She could not give him offsprings. It's quite likely that this woman was divorced five times abandoned five times, thrown on the street five times because she could not conceive. Not because she was some kind of loose woman seeking love somewhere else. No, she was abandoned, she was mistreated, she was thrown out. And now she's seeking love where she can get it. Jesus understood that. And when Jesus said, go call your husband, and you had five, what Jesus is saying is, I understand your pain. I understand your story. 
I understand that when you were 17 years old in your father's house, your whole dream is that some man would come in and pay a dowry to your dad and take you and you would give him offsprings and you would be happy. But that didn't happen. I understand your disappointment. I understand that you've been abandoned. I understand that you've been abused. I understand that you've been thrown out. Jesus entered into her story. Now we read this passage very differently, don't we? When we understand that, we read it very differently. Jesus was not accusing her of some sin. Jesus was saying, I get it. So the next phase in this Jesus strategy is he invites us into his mission is that he invites us to enter into people's story. Sometimes our mission is more about making people projects. But the invitation is for us to just simply enter into people's story, understand their story, Give value to their story and let the Spirit of God work as he works. This way, each person in the church, each member in the church can be a missionary. Not that complicated. Presence, value, enter into people's story. Understand their story. That was Jesus confronted that stigma, that social stigma. This woman is avoiding people. And early in the morning, she's avoiding coming to the water well, to the water cooler where the conversations are. Because people are up for sure pointing out that she's a nobody. She's a rejected person. She's a person unable to be loved. So Jesus first encounters a, a, a racial stigma, a gender stigma. Now he confronted this social stigma. And he responds by entering into the story. And the fourth stigma that Jesus encounters is a religious stigma. Now that she finds some freedom, now that she understands that Jesus is on her side and understands her, she begins to ask him some spiritual questions. And she says, look, I need to know this. You Jewish people, you guys worship in the temple. We, the Samaritans, worship in the mountains, which is the right way to worship. Oh, a good theologian would spend a lot of time just going through all the things, and Jesus doesn't do that. Here's what he says. He says two things. you got to know God, and you got to worship God. Those are the two things. He says, you don't know him. you got to know him. Two, you have to worship in, in spirit and in, in truth. And then he says, if you do that, God will seek you out. So what he's saying to her, it's like, Forget about, it's not about the mountain, it's not about the temple. It's about knowing God and worshiping God. And you, when you do that, God will come to you. 
how many barriers to mission sometimes we put because we put all of these things that people got to jump through. But all we got to invite them is know God, worship God. The rest is up to him. The rest, he would do it. The rest is about his work. Isn't that a simple strategy? Be present. Value people. Enter into their story. Invite them to know God and worship God. That's a very simple mission strategy. Everyone can do it. Every child can do it. And Jesus is inviting you and I to do it. I began by saying that this is a lonely world we live in. Greatest population ever in the history of the world exists now, but we are lonely people. Lonely people. Breaks my heart. My parents just made a decision to move back to Brazil that after two years of COVID and, and lockdowns and unable to see people, they just found themselves, and, and the weather in, in Winnipeg, they just found themselves so isolated. Even though we live next door to them, we go visit them. They found themselves so isolated, they said to us, we are moving back. We want to be in a place where we can walk to people's homes. We can be with them. We can eat with them. We can do. We just, we just feel so lonely. And if we stay here, we know our lives are going to be shortened because we feel lonely. Broke my heart. But at the same time, how many people like them? In the world today, how many people that feel they are not valued enough? They don't feel that they can be loved. They don't feel they can be understood. They don't feel that anyone would want to hear their story. How many people right now need your presence? Need to be valued by you. Need to let you hear their story and get you to invite them to know God and worship God. That is Jesus' strategy. There is no other strategy in the Bible for mission than this. And there is an invitation for you and I to do this. I believe that in this we have freedom. In this we are able to say, look, I can do this. This is simple. This is simple. So West Side, as you, as you go about your week this week, would you make the simple prayer every morning and say, God, wherever do you want me, however do you want me, Whenever do you want me? Would you just clear my schedule? Would you just bring the right people before me? Would you open my eyes that I can see? 
Would you help me meet my neighbors and engage with them? Would you just allow me to be missionaries according to your strategy in this world? Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.